This weekend, as we celebrate the third Sunday of Lent, we also begin the scrutiny season. The next three weekends, our catechumens and candidates will go under will undergo the three scrutinies. This first one, where they will receive the creed immediately following the homily, is an opportunity for us to witness to our faith. That's something that many times we as Catholics struggle to do, to witness to that faith that God puts within our hearts. That same faith that this woman at the well in our gospel today was given by God. She didn't at first understand. She went out as she would normally do at the hottest moment of the day, at noontime. Did you notice that? It's one of the few times in scripture that a specific time of day is given. This woman of Samaria goes out at noon, the hottest part of the day, to go to draw water. It was just kind of a daily task that the women of the the community would do, because that was just one of the roles. But why would she go out at the hottest part of day? We may seek to grasp some understanding of that ideal. Because if you've ever been in western Oklahoma or in the desert, any time between like June and August... Any time from 10 a.m. to about 5 p.m., the last thing you want to do is be outside. Well, typically by the wells, there aren't an oasis there, though there is water. There are not trees. There is not shade. So why would you go out at the hottest part of day? Well, we see that as we continue through the gospel. Jesus comes and speaks to her, which is a very rare and even looked down on occasion. Because A, he's a man speaking to a woman who is not his wife in public. That was not done in the first century. That was looked down on so much so that you could have been arrested if you were a woman that spoke to a man who was not your husband in public or that wasn't courting you. But then he went a step further and not only did he speak to a woman that was not his wife, he he spoke to a Samaritan woman. The Jews and the Samaritans did not get along, and that's putting it about as nicely as you can possibly put it. They were mortal enemies. And so this mortal enemy, who is a man, comes and meets her at noon at the well. Well, The reason she goes out by herself at that time of day becomes apparent very quickly. When Christ comes to her and says, go, call your husband and come back. And she says, I don't have a husband. Technically, that's true. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. And the one that you're living with is not your spouse. How many times do we kind of fudge the truth to try not to get into trouble? Well, she got called and caught in her little white lie. It's not going to hurt anybody. It's just a little white lie. But the Lord calls her out and she recognizes that something great is here. That when she witnesses to who he truly is, she begins to understand. And Christ recognizes in her her faith. That faith has already been given to her because faith is what but a gift from God. And so just as the woman at the well has been gifted with faith, so too our catechumens and our candidates have been given the gift of faith. That faith that we all believe and profess as Catholics and Christians. When we pray the creed every week, it's not just going through the motions, it's not just saying a bunch of words, but it's professing with our tongues 
what we as Catholics believe in our hearts and in our minds. But many times we don't quite understand what's going on, as this woman at the well didn't understand what was going on, not only with the person of Jesus, but when he says, draw me some water. All right, look around, fool. How am I supposed to draw you some water? You don't have a bucket for me, and the well is deep. How am I supposed to get this for you? And he says, well, if you would have asked me for water, I would have given you water that would have lasted eternity. She's like, wait, what? I'll never have to come back here? I'll never have to be in shame anymore to come out here as an adulterer by myself? Because remember, that's why she went out at that time by herself. Because the price of adultery in the first century was stoning. That same fear that Moses had in the first reading from the Israelites when they were in the Exodus. And out of fear, she goes to that moment. Out of fear, he goes to the Lord. What does the Lord do? He provides for Moses in that first reading. By taking the same staff that he's put into the sea to split it so they could cross it, takes that same staff and strikes the rock at Meribah and Massabah, Meribah and Massa, to bring about water that can give earthly refreshment. But that's not the water, of course, that Christ is speaking of in today's gospel. He's talking about the wellspring of life, the waters of baptism that we now know in hindsight, looking back at how he was speaking to this Samaritan woman. And then so she recognizes something's different. Her heart is beginning to be converted and conformed after Christ. And when our hearts are conformed after the love of God, We can't hold it within. We have to go out and share it. So she leaves her fear behind and goes back to the city, that same city that she wanted to desperately not be seen in. She didn't want to be gossiped about in fear of the price of her sins prior to her conversion with Christ. But after she came to to know the person of Christ, fear no longer dictated her decisions. So she goes back knowing that everyone knows her past and her present, and she witnesses to the love of God. That when we come face to face with Christ, we're given the opportunity to witness to that gift of faith that he bestows on us through the sacraments. And as she's going off, the disciples come back from town. And they see him and say, Rabbi, eat something. I have food to eat of which you do not know. Remember back to the first week of Lent where we heard about the temptations in the desert by Satan after the 40 days and 40 nights in the desert. What was that first temptation? Turn this rock, this stone, into bread. What is Christ's response? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, he doesn't say that in those words to the disciples, but that is what he's meaning with his response. I have food to eat of which you do not know. Not the manna that comes from heaven for the Israelites in the desert with with the Exodus and Moses, but the bread of life that dwells within him, that we receive when we come to the sacrament of the Eucharist, which you candidates and catechumens will receive for the first time for many of you, at the Easter celebration. 
It's interesting, isn't it, that the things that we need for our earthly nourishment are the same gifts that God offers to us for eternal life. We need food and water to live. We need food and water to live eternally as well. The waters of baptism to cleanse us of our sins and the bread of everlasting life that is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ that nurture us and nourish us, not just in this life, but in the life to come. It's not a coincidence, my brothers and sisters, that these are used in both our earthly and our heavenly lives. What's interesting many times is we forget the different sacraments that God gives us. He gives us as outward signs of an internal disposition and an internal feeling that we have, a longing and a desire that we have for the love of God. He bestows them upon us to aid us through our lives. Baptism to cleanse us from our past. Confirmation to confirm in us those gifts first given to us at baptism, those gifts of the fruits of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit to nurture us and nourish us in good times and in bad. The Eucharist, not just the First Communion, but every time that we participate in the Eucharistic celebration to give us what we cannot have of our own, the bread of life that offers us eternity. And then the sacraments of vocation, married life, the sacrament of marriage, or the sacrament of religious vocation as a priest, a nun, a deacon, a monk. The Lord continues to bestow on us graces through our vocation and life. But then there's two other sacraments, if you were counting along, that I didn't list yet. The sacraments of healing. The sacraments many times that we try to avoid like the plague are actually given to us as gifts. Sacrament of reconciliation or confession to reconcile our relationship with God so that we no longer have to be in that shadow of death that doubt and fear and sin put upon us, but instead be able to be at peace in this life for the life to come. And the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. Notice what I didn't call it. I didn't call it last rites. Because last rites isn't really a thing outside of Hollywood. But we see it so much in TV and in movies that people will call the church and say, Father, I need to receive the last rites. It's like, are you dying today? Well, no. Then you need to receive the anointing of the sick. Many times when we think of the last rites, we think of anointing of the sick with what's called viaticum. The last time that you receive the Eucharist, the word viaticum when broken apart via the way, cum, communion. Communion for the way. To help us go from one life to the next. Who then is to be anointed? And what does the sacrament really consist of? Well, as it's a sacrament of healing, more often than not, the sacrament of reconciliation is part of and should be part of the sacrament of anointing of the sick. Unfortunately, though, most times that I anoint people, it's when they're in the hospital and they aren't able, able to speak. 
I'd say about 70% of the times that I do anointing is when someone's intubated or someone's unconscious. And so they aren't able to, at that time, ask for forgiveness. But the Lord knows their heart, and so for the Lord, we offer that forgiveness of sins as part of the prayer. If they have committed any sins, may their sins be forgiven them, is part of the prayer of the anointing of the sick. But then the next question is, who can be anointed? Anyone in danger of death. Anyone who has a debilitating disease. Anyone who is going to have surgery, not only can be, but should be anointed. If you're going to be put under, you should receive the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. If you have a disease that can cause death, you should be anointed. But also there's this fun line in the catechism that doesn't specifically talk about anyone. But it says, when you have attained old age, you should be anointed. I love that it doesn't give a number there. Because many of us would be like, I'm not old, I'm only 89. To many of us were like, 89 is old. In scripture it said, 70, for, 70 is the max years, 80 for those of us who are strong, so maybe 70 is old. Oh, Father, I've been 70 for 45 years. First of all, I'm hoping we don't have anybody that's 115. If so, God bless you. <laughs> but old age is a reason to be anointed, not just at that last moment. Because unfortunately, because there are so few priests, not just here in Oklahoma, but across the world, many times we are called at that last moment. And we aren't able to be there because we're out of town, we've got other commitments. We just can't get there in time. There's been multiple times in my priesthood already where people called me at that last moment. Their loved one had been sick for months, had been in the hospital for weeks, if not months, but they wanted to wait until that last moment because they wanted to make sure they got the last rites at that last moment. But why wait to give the gift of God's grace and peace to your loved ones? Now, I do recognize by, by preaching about this, I'm going to have like 45 anointings I've got to do this week. I'm okay with that. Oh, Father, we didn't want to bug you. You're, 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 you're so busy. I'm busy, but that's my job. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to give you God's grace in whatever way I can. So please never hesitate to contact me. I will get to you as quickly as I can. Some days it's that same morning. Some days it's, hey, I'm out of town. I'll get back as quick as I can. This week it'll be a little interesting because I'm having surgery myself tomorrow. I've got to get a tooth extracted, so prayers tomorrow, please. But I'm getting anointed today because I know that I'm going to surgery. And I mention all of this to say that God has given us so many gifts in our lives and will continue to bestow them upon us on our own journeys of faith whether we are candidates, whether we are catechumens, whether we are fully initiated as Catholics, the Lord offers us his gifts of grace to help that gift of faith that he gave us at the initial moment of our creation. So that, that flame of faith given to our godparents at our baptism may truly remain lit. That same flame that comes to us at our baptism is also alive and well at our funerals. That just like the woman at the well, we don't always understand. 
But once our lives are changed, once we come to face to face with God, we're given that same opportunity as this woman at the well to go and sin no more, but also to share the good news. How has the Lord spoken to you in your life? Have you reflected upon it recently? We're halfway through Lent this week. How's your Lent been going? Father, it hasn't been good. Well, what about today? Hasn't been great. Well, you have the opportunity to change it tomorrow. The next three and a half weeks, allow the Lord to speak to you. If it's been a while since you've been to the Sacrament of Reconciliation, come back. Multiple opportunities every week that we have scheduled and multiple opportunities that aren't scheduled that you're always welcome to come and say, hey, Father, you got a second? If you don't want to come to me, that's fine. This coming Wednesday, Clinton is hosting a penance service where priests from the Archdiocese will come. And then next Wednesday, we'll have our own penance service here. No more excuses. Because excuses are all too often based in fear. That same fear that brought the woman to the well to encounter God many times will keep us away from encountering the Lord. Be not afraid. Remember those words from Christ that he says to us all too often. Be not afraid. Allow the Lord to seek you that you may be found in peace, in joy, and in happiness. What is it that's keeping you from saying, I do?